The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. And we're back. All right, take three. This is the one you're getting right here. I don't care. I'm not redoing anything. I got things to do today. Got an NFL Wednesday. We got to get going here. Uh, the Air Attack is back. I am BC. You can follow me on Twitter at BCAK the Man. You can follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. Uh, we close in on Christmas. Obviously, 80 years since Pearl Harbor. Very significant part of American history. I think when most of you think about World War II, you think about Hitler and Mussolini and whatnot. But the stuff that happened in Japan uh, was obviously a huge part of World War II and Pearl Harbor got it started there was some brutal stuff over there not that not that any soldiers have a right to compare and contrast what guys went through but the stuff they went through in world war world war ii was absolutely brutal especially uh the stuff that happened in the pacific and i think that's what band of brothers was about right a few years ago with tom hanks um so yeah just i mean but absolutely a very very significant time in american history and a very significant event i wonder if those guys who fought in world war ii if they had a time machine and could see like AOC or like Lauren Boebert fighting with Elon Omar if they would have fought quite as hard. My God, I'm just, I'm just curious. How about if they saw the ladies from The View? If you don't know what The View is, it's basically uh, a bunch of loudmouth dunces who now wear pajamas on the show. I guess that's a Christmas thing. My goodness. Uh, the latest thing that everybody is freaking out about, of course, is the Omicron variant uh, in New York City and everywhere else because it sounds crazy. Just, you just say it like it's scary. You just say Omicron. Oh my God, it's Omicron. Well, is it worse than, than the Delta variant? Maybe. What does that mean? May- maybe is one of the most obnoxious words in the English language. I'm, I Really? Is, is it more dangerous to get? Maybe. It, wait a second. What? Hey, you want to go out Saturday? Maybe. Hey, are you pregnant? Maybe. Like it's, it's obnoxious. It's an obnoxious, obnoxious word. Everyone freaks out about it. They're now saying it's Actual doctors, by the way, not the bimbos on The View. Actual doctors are now saying it's no more dangerous or deadly than any other variant. It just has a new fancy name. And we're going to use that as an excuse to introduce um, vaccine rules across New York City. Right now in New York City, the mayor is trying to implement a rule. Now, he's not going to be the mayor for more than another, another like three weeks. He's leaving. He's done. He's got his three terms, inexplicably so. But I never said everyone in New York City was smart. He's leaving now. In New York City, if he gets his way, right before he leaves, right before he leaves, and right before the holidays, if you are five or older, you have to be vaccinated to do anything in New York City, anything whatsoever. They're now telling you what you have to do to your five-year-old, and that's supposed to be just like totally normal behavior. Before you freak out about stuff like this, most of this stuff is getting shot down in court, no matter where it comes from. Anyone telling you you have to get vaccinated is basically... It's basically fighting an uphill battle because once it goes to court, they're like, no, you can't do that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. And there's another issue in the news lately, which goes kind of hand in hand with this stuff. And I find it a little bit more hilarious every time they bring it up. And that is the issue of abortion. So let's start with the ladies of The View and their views on the Omicron variant. Remember something. These are these are these are talk show hosts, people. Their medical opinion is very valuable. They feel that their greater good is more important than your greater good. Well, you know- First of all, who listens to someone with that tone of voice? Has it? When's the last time someone told Joy Behar to just please shut the fuck up? Oh my God! So I, I should have warned you before you had to hear that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're driving or something, pull over. No, it was interesting <laughs> to me that the argument was being made. If you're vaccinated, why do you care about me being vaccinated? Well, because if you're vaccinated, typically that means you are vaccinated. Do you know what vaccinated actually means, honey? Can we can we start with that? Are you aware of what vaccinated means? I've talked about this before in the show. I'm going to talk about it again. When you were a kid, you had to get a bunch of vaccines to go to school. And just because it's common sense, you know, measles, the mumps, 
uh, polio. Well, when you went to school, you weren't getting measles. You weren't getting polio. You weren't getting all these things because you were, as it stands, vaccinated. You were vaccinated. That's that's how vaccines actually work. And that's why most people logically ask that question. But continue, continue, women with no medical experience whatsoever. You're protected. And that's why we are at the Omarion Omicron variant, right? (laughs) There's nothing funnier than somebody giving you medical advice when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So let's make a joke about it. By the way, what you can't see is they're reading this. They are reading. This is Sonny Hostin reading her heartfelt opinion off of her desk, off a little screen embedded in her desk. This is what this show has turned into. That's why we are where we are, because it's (laughs) mutating. It's becoming this crazy superbug inside of the people that aren't vaccinated. And And now it's affecting us. I don't know why they were not understanding that. We've got like 80 million people that are not vaccinated. Maybe because you don't even know the names of the variants or because you're just completely full of shit. I'm not sure. Maybe because everyone can see you reading your heartfelt opinion off of your desk. Or maybe because your opinion always ties in with one brand of politics in this country. Maybe that's why no one cares what you think about vaccines. That could be it. But that's okay. We're, t- we're going to take it now to another topic that's hot in the news, and that is abortion, which, which just rears its head every few years. People go back and forth. I never really thought they were going to go after your abortions. There's two things I never thought they would go after in this country, your guns or your abortions. Yeah, they would talk about it, but they would never really get serious about it. And now you see in some places they're serious about each one of them. So I was dead wrong about that. Absolutely dead wrong. My thought on abortion, the same as it's always been. If you hate being pregnant that badly, don't be. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's too th- it may sound insensitive. You may not like it or, or whatever. Maybe the politics, you don't agree with it. I, I don't care. The politics of abortion is based primarily on insecurity, telling women that they are victims. Most of these politics are about telling people they're victims. And the villain is typically a white guy. If you notice all of the, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but all of these, all of these woke politics is about someone's out to get you and you need us to protect you. And that someone is usually a white guy. And then they figure, hey, listen, we'll get the black guys voting for us, get the black ladies voting for us, the ladies will vote for us, half the men will vote for us, and we'll just win every election forever. It's nothing new. It's, it, it was basically like this when I was a kid in the 90s, and now it's come full circle. Everything from the 90s is coming full circle. You're even hearing rock bands on the radio again. That, I I mean, that, that was like 15, 20 years. We didn't hear any. There, no, there was like no, there's like four rock bands, the whole the whole planet. It was ridiculous. Now rock is back again. Birkenstocks are back again. The whole thing is back. All of it's back again. All the race baiting and the riots and everything else. We're right back to where we were, we were in the 90s because we have a new crop of children. We can try to, you know, basically win over with this brand of politics. Not not my brand of politics, but that's how they think. And that's what it is. So my, my stance on abortion, with it, t- take the religion out of it, take the politics out of it. If you hate something so much, why would you get yourself into that situation to begin with? It's like, it's like oh my God, I'm, I'm in the rain. I hate the rain. I'm wet. Someone dry me off. Well, how about if you just don't walk outside? It's the same shit. It's 2021. It's easy not to get pregnant. There's no possible way all of this horse shit, going to the doctor, going back for the thing, going back for the follow-up, feeling like there's no possible way that is easier than just popping a pill in your mouth, which is widely and readily available. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. If it hurts your feelings, maybe you have to grow up a little bit. Just how it is. I understand there are exceptions. I understand there's medical stuff. I understand there's sexual assault. That's not to be joked about, yada, yada, yada. But by and large, let's cut through this shit. That's not why most of you are having abortions. So once again, it comes up, I think this time in Mississippi, they're going in front of the, the Supreme Court talking about abortions. And of course, who better to give advice than the medical experts from The View? Do any of you men have any eggs or 
the possibility of carrying a fetus? How no, I don't. Not, first of all, I don't have any eggs on me. Not, no eggs. Now let's check. And no, I can't carry a fetus. Thank you, Whoopi, for differentiating between men and women because apparently that's a controversial take lately as well. How dare you talk about what a fetus wants? You have no idea. Woo! Woo! Everyone, woo! Like on SNL when they make a Trump joke. Woo! It's the, it's the greatest thing ever, Whoopi. Oh, my God. So full of attitude. No, she's right. I have no eggs. How could I know what a fetus wants? Also, does the mom know? I guess the mom does know what the fetus wants. Here's my question, and I think it's an honest question. How many of these fetuses are actually saying, Mom, you know what? Flush me. Is that really what's going on? Because uh, it seems like that's where she's going with this argument. It doesn't really seem very logical. I mean, you got a woman who's trying to figure out, gee, you know, should I, should I go all the way with this thing? It's eight, it's eight or nine months. Oh, my, this is going to be terrible. It's going to suck. Hey, mom. And you hear like a little voice from inside of you, and it's, it's actually the, the, the fetus. Like, yeah, mom, it's okay. Go ahead. Flush me. Like, is, is that you? Son? Yeah, it's me. Go ahead. Get rid of me. You got a trip to Cancun in three weeks. I, I'm going to fuck the whole thing up. Go ahead. Are, are you sure, son? Yeah, that's okay. And, and by the way, don't tell dad. Oh, no problem, son. Thank you, son. No problem, ma. Uh, really? That's where you're going with this. Do any of you men have any eggs or the possibility of carrying a fetus? How dare you talk about what a fetus wants? You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where would men get the idea that the fetus doesn't want to be just like vacuumed out of the check? Yeah, where would a, where would a man get that idea? How dare you? How dare you? Talk about what a fetus wants. You have no idea. If you disagree with abortion, I have no problem with that. My problem comes when you tell me what I need to do with my doctor and my family. How dare you? How dare you? In the words of Greta Thunberg, 16-year-old expert on the, on the environment. Uh, yeah, so basically, uh, let's just to recap, just to recap. In fact, I want to play that one more time from Whoopi. I thought that was great. My problem comes when you tell me what I need to do with my doctor and my family. How dare you? How dare you? The clip, the, the clip uh, ends right there. But the, don't worry. Not to worry. They whoop it up. They whoop, well, they whoop it up for Whoopi. No pun intended, but they do. They go crazy screaming for her because she made a point that aligns with their goofy politics. They also got a producer in studio that tells the audience when to laugh. So, hey, listen, on one hand, it's, hey, everyone's got the, the, the right to make their own opinion, make their own choice and make their own decision when it comes to certain things. But with other things, they don't have a choice at all. The government has to decide for you. And I'm listening to these, these lunatics. Just, and, and people just stare at this stuff with their big masks on and nod their heads. No matter which, which side of the lie they tell, people are just like, oh, yeah, no, totally, I agree. And, and these, by the way, these shows were a couple days apart. It wasn't It wasn't like I just played you one clip from 2013 and another from, you know, a few days ago. These shows, these episodes were in the same week. So, I mean, it just, look, it's just how it is. Just how it is on that show. You have any eggs? No, I don't have any eggs, Whoopi. Sorry. I, I'm out. I'm out of eggs. What What exactly is your point? Yeah, how do you know what a fetus wants? This should not surprise you, though. And this, this takes you into another story here. The intersection of politics the news and entertainment is really, to me, not that surprising. It's kind of been going on for a while. I think I've said this before, but the people making your news are the same people that are making your movies now. So there's going to be some intersection. There's going to be some crossover. And that brings you to the Chris Cuomo story. Chris Cuomo is out at CNN. He's also out at Sirius XM. He said he was leaving that job. They're probably, I don't know, maybe they, they gave him a choice to stay or they didn't. Maybe he wants to regroup and work on his personal brand. I don't know. But there's nothing surprising, number one, about the guy trying to help his brother out. He is, after all, his brother, and that's Andrew Cuomo. 
I'm not shocked about that whatsoever. That's what a lot of siblings do. Not, not all siblings. Some siblings are total backstabbers and they totally suck. And that's just how it is. But he and his brother are obviously very close. Their father was governor of New York. They've had a nice life. Why not try to keep it going? And I, and I totally appreciate that. So I'm not surprised about that. But then text messages came out where Chris Cuomo is going back and forth with Melissa DeRosa, who was basically Andrew Cuomo's right-hand man, right-hand woman, as it were, talking about how they're going to strategize and how they're going to present things. I, I don't know why it took text messages for you people to realize that that was going on. In, in the process of investigating and in the process of exposing these text messages, we also find out that Alec Baldwin went to bat just randomly in some sort of TV interview about cancel culture trying to stand up for Andrew, for Andrew Cuomo. And that came out in those text messages as well. You got Hollywood, you got the news, you got politics, this triangle. It's not just a view. It's a lot of places. And that's just how it works. So I'm not shocked at all that this was going on. We all kind of knew it was going on. I mean, Andrew Cuomo had Chris Rock, Rosie Perez, sit next to him and tell him what a great job he's doing. Why would I give a shit about what Chris Rock thinks about Andrew Cuomo? Chris Rock, now he might be a New Yorker, born and bred, he lives in Jersey. He, I know exactly where he lives. He lives in Alpine. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know where his house is. If something happens. I don't want you to think it was me. But I'm just saying, like, I, I, I know what town he lives in. Alpine, where a, a lot of celebrities live. Cardi B, even she's from Queens. Yeah, she's building a house in Tenafly. Like a lot of these people don't, you know, they, they'll say New York, whatever, and that's fine. it's not a big deal. You just live right across the river. You're the same person. But he would have Chris Rock come up there and say, "Oh, you, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for this." And that was just a year ago. Maybe like what, like 15 months ago. This was going on. He was the greatest guy ever. He was an expert. He knew exactly how to handle COVID. And they ran they ran Andrew Cuomo's ass right out. Of course, his brother was going to stand up for him. His brother knew what was going on. His brother knew it was dirty politics. And his brother had a chance to help. But you've got this marriage of entertainment, politics, and what is supposed to be the news. And I don't find any of it shocking whatsoever. We have a, a, a trial going on right now in Chicago. They're going to go to the jury, I think, today. And that's Jussie Smollett which is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen. Obviously, the guy staged a, a phony hate crime. I mean, that, that's, that's the, one of the most obvious thing there's ever been. Even Dave Chappelle called the guy out. Okay, Jussie Smollett is obviously a lunatic. He's a sociopath looking for attention. But if you notice, what happened immediately? As soon as this phony attack happened, there was Cam Harris. There was Cory Booker to call it a fake lynching. Bernie Sanders. Everyone wanted to be part of it. Entertainment, the news, politics. You got this triangle. And in the, invest the course of this investigation, somehow it's come out that Don Lemon was a go-between between the Chicago cops and Jussie Smollett. And it's not surprising. Like, news newscasters, they have sources. Reporters have sources. Those sources are from within police departments. Those sources are from within political campaigns or maybe inside the White House. Remember all the leaks when Trump was president about how crazy and chaotic it is and people are leaving? Now they're doing that to Cam Harris. They're not going to do it to Biden because they like Biden. So they're going to do it to Cam Harris and make it sound like everything's her fault. I'm not some huge fan of the vice president, but she is, after all, the vice president. But they have totally turned on her. But they only got her in there probably, I mean, if we're just be cutting, again, cutting through the bullshit, probably because she's female and probably because she's a minority. That, that probably is why they chose her. So they can act all, every time you hear the, the redhead, it was a Jen Psaki. Every time you hear her talk in the first few months of Joe Biden's presidency, it was, well, as you know, the president hired the first yada, yada, yada. The, hire, the president appointed the first yada, yada, yada. So we got trans this and we got someone of color here and a woman here and, and everything is the first and history was made today. ESPN was telling the other day that history was made because a woman called an NBA game or a college game. Who cares? Women have been doing stuff at ESPN for years. How is history being made? What little, what tiny 
little application did you, of, of the facts did you use to make this somehow in your delusional minds history again? There have been women on ESPN for 15, 20 years. Who cares history was made? It's ridiculous. But that's kind of how Cam Harris got her job. But there's leaks coming from inside the White House about how miserable she is to deal with, about how people can't stand her, about how combative she is, about how unqualified she is to, to, just to do her job, which is funny because I, I probably could have told you this beforehand. But so could all the voters because no one, no one really liked her anyway. Neither here nor there. The reality is reporters have sources. Okay, they do. And those sources come from inside of politics and inside of law enforcement and a lot of other places. Uh, and, you know, they, they have sources within entertainment. You know, I mean, how do you think TMZ knows when someone's landed at the airport? They have sources. They have people that work for airlines, people that work for hotels, people that might be personal assistants that are part of entourages. But that's just how it is. There's leaks. So everyone's going crazy and acting like Chris Cuomo did something just out of left field and it's terrible and there's got to be consequences. But that's only because you decided to turn on Andrew Cuomo. A year ago, you were you were kissing up to him you were glorifying him for doing absolutely nothing right i mean the guy was absolutely inept and incompetent at his job i mean it, it almost looked like his job was to try to get as many people killed in new york as humanly possible there's a there was a naval ship the size of hoboken parked on the edge of manhattan on the west west side didn't use it at all didn't want to use it because they want to push the idea that we have no help here but they piled senior citizens on top of each other the entire time these are the people trying to tell you. I'd rather take advice from the, from the bimbos on The View, honestly, than Andrew Cuomo. But once people turned on him, now they're turning on his brother. Well, I'll tell you what, you may have to turn on Don Lemon because Don Lemon's doing the same thing with Justice Smollett. Are you surprised? Politics, the news, and Hollywood. One, two, three. Just one big triangle. And there's nothing whatsoever, to me, surprising about it. So go ahead and get on Chris Cuomo all you want. But if you're going to get on Chris Cuomo... Prepare yourself, because Chris Cuomo is going down swinging. His brother went down swinging. Chris Cuomo is going down swinging. He claims Jeffrey Zucker at CNN knew everything that was going on this entire time. Basically, what he's saying is, hey, asshole, I'm going to name names if you don't pay me. Six million bucks a year is six million bucks a year. And honestly, it's not like I feel bad for Chris Cuomo, but I don't blame him, because what he's doing is basically saying, I'm not taking the hit for something all of you assholes do. And I really don't blame him for that at all. Like I said, this goes on all the time. There are go-betweens. How do you think Josina Anderson got all her like NFL rumors from players? From play How do you think she knew everything that was going on within the Giants? And then next thing you know, she has all all of this info on what's going on with the Browns. What well, could it be? Because Odell Beckham Jr. moved from the Giants to the Browns. Duh. Did you notice that she didn't have any intel on what was going on behind the scenes with the Giants once Odell Beckham left town? A lot of you didn't, did you? I noticed. But that's how it works. That is literally how it works. So again, it's politics, entertainment, the news. You throw sports in there too. Everyone's got their sources. But Chris Cuomo's like, listen, you want to take me down, I'll take a bunch of you with me. And if you're mad at him, make sure you get mad at the next guys. And Don Lemon is next on the list. We will see how that goes. We'll see how the trial goes for Justice Smollett too. That trial, by the way, we got to get to other stuff. But that trial, by the way, has devolved into absolute comedy. Justice Smollett's attorney actually at one point accused the judge in the case of lunging at her during a sidebar. I'm not kidding. I guess, listen, if we're making up attacks, let's just go all the way with it. I guess that's her mentality. I don't know. But I don't know how this is going to go for the kid. I think it goes to the jury today. I don't think this looks very good for him. I don't know if he's facing any real jail time or anything. Why this kid didn't just plea this thing out very quietly a couple years ago. And they tried to sweep it under the rug. They tried to, to resolve it and then seal it. And I guess somebody, I, I don't know who it was exactly, but somebody went at the city of Chicago and said, no, you can't do that. And so that's why he's on trial right now. But he could have just had this whole thing done. This is a kid who, when he was... You know, quote, air quotes, attacked, 
Kamala Harris went to bat for him, called him a friend. There's pictures of the two together. He's at political functions. I think he might have hung out with the Obamas a few times. I mean, this was a guy to know. I mean, it really was. I mean, he can say what he wants. His, his argument now is that he valued his privacy and, and everything else. He's completely and utterly full of shit. He had a concert a few days after this whole hoax happened, calling himself the, black, the gay Tupac. That's what he's calling himself. So don't tell me about valuing your privacy. You're completely and utterly full of shit. Came up with a story now. The initial story was that he was going to Subway for a sandwich after his flight to New York. Can you imagine that? You work in Hollywood. You go from New York to Chicago. Mm, Got to have some Subway tuna, which isn't even tuna, by the way. But that's what he said. That's exactly what he said. Now his story is that he was going to Walgreens for eggs. Why they're not calling him on this, I'm not quite sure. But his story is that he was going to Walgreens because he needed eggs for a workout the next day. Like, you don't have an errand boy or something like this. You can't find eggs in the morning. You can't tell these two guys who supposedly attacked you to bring their own eggs. It's insane. Absolutely insane. He's correcting the prosecutors. The prosecutors reading the N-word out of text. And the prosecutors coming back at him and saying, well, there's your text. Why don't you go ahead and read them? I mean, it's just they're go these two are going back and forth and basically squabbling in the middle of the courtroom. There, there are no cameras, which I, I really wish there were in this case. I really wish there were cameras. I, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't want that. But my goodness, I tell you, it just goes to show you. You talk about getting greedy. That kid had a great life. That kid was doing what he wanted to when he wanted to. And he decided, you know what? He sees other people that have this involvement in politics. And that's how you get that big money. That's how you get that big fame. You know, I'm just right now. He's thinking to himself right now. I'm just involved in entertainment and that's okay. But what if I was involved in the politics like some of these other guys? What if I could get up to where like LeBron is? I could be like Tom Hanks and one of these guys. I could move up in the ranks. What if, hmm, you know what? What if, ah, hold on now. I know what I'll do. I know what I can do. So, and I dare say it would not shock me at all, at all, if it turned out some of those politicians actually knew about this quote unquote attack beforehand. I'm not trying to go full blown conspiracy theory here, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me. I'll leave it at that. Okay, leave it at that. They were a little too quick to latch on to this whole thing, but put it that way. Almost like they knew what they were going to say beforehand, but I, I could be wrong. You never know. All right, let's get to the uh, let's get to the gambling here. First of all, a reminder: you can follow me on Twitter at BCAK the Man. You can follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. You can hear the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. So subscribe and share, please, uh, if you could. Now, delete DraftKings. That's where we're going with this. If you saw me on Twitter last week, I went off on those guys, and here's why: the CEO basically told investors, "Hey, listen, we're cutting off winners." I knew this was going on. A lot of people knew this was going on. I've been very, very outspoken about this. I've been outspoken about a lot of things that I consider to be almost legalized scams, uh, whether it's Uber, you know, screwing over their drivers and cutting their pay after selling them cars. Their guys are These poor guys are locked into car loans they can't get out of, but now their pay is going down 50%. There's people who lost homes because they drove for Uber. It's, it's a fact. DoorDash and what they do, not just to their drivers, but to the restaurants they supposedly service and that they hijack even the, the internet searches for some of these small local businesses. It's horseshit and it shouldn't be allowed. And it shouldn't be allowed that you are a sports book like DraftKings or FanDuel or any of these places and you're allowed to cut people off simply for winning. Now, if you go back a few years when DraftKings and FanDuel were just uh, DFS platforms, daily fantasy sports platforms, they had a problem with cheating then too. And the cheating was internal. Okay, what, they were, what was happening was the people working at these places had access to the accounts of people who were winning these contests. So you know what they did? They simply went into those accounts, saw who these people were drafting on a daily basis, say it's an NFL Sunday, and oh, the, oh, the, oh really, the sharp guys are on Dalvin Cook, they're on Rob Gronkowski, they're on this guy, on that guy. And they were taking them, and that's what they were doing. And they were actually, they were actually cutting into the profits of the winners, okay? People should go to jail for that stuff. And the contention of DraftKings, well, this isn't really gambling, and it's well, we, we've addressed the problem and everything. The way they handled it should have told you that once they got into the gambling business, the actual 
traditional sports betting business, it was going to be a problem. And here the problem is. The guy from DraftKings isn't coming out with some bombshell. He's basically responding to the fact that the cat is out of the bag. And people like myself and a lot of people have been very outspoken about it and said, if you're going to act like this, we're going to publicize it. What on earth is the point of betting on sports if you can't possibly win? It's like going to a, you know, a back alley casino somewhere where you got to knock on the door a certain way, use a password and go into a basement. And basically you're playing with loaded dice. That's what it is. If you're OK losing, they're fine. But once you're on to them, boom, get out. Or God forbid you actually win. Oh, we don't want you here. We don't. That, that's what happens with card counters in casinos. Oh, wait, you're winning? Oh, your play is a little too strong for us. Take it down the road. What, are you kidding me? Give me a break. I get it. Card counting is illegal. And I, and I listen to people defending DraftKings and FanDuel in these places saying, hey, th th there's regulations. And as long as they're not breaking the rules, well, then the rules should be different. These regulations are brand new. Most of these places in the country, if you're not Nevada, basically, and you allow sports gambling, these regulations are brand new. And they're a joke. They're an absolute joke. So get out of there. And it's not, you say, well, what's the big deal? I don't care. I just do it for fun. It's just recreation. That's what the guy says from DraftKings, by the way, so you sound like him. So, so basically, you're supposed to be a recreational better. Doesn't, you're still allowed to bet thousands of dollars, but you're supposed to be just doing it for recreation. But if you win, if you win, if you show an, a, a propensity to get the best of the number, okay, you take teams minus two and a half, and then you take teams plus three and a half, and you get the best of the number when it's hovering around a three, something like that. If you know that teasers are supposed to go through the seven and the three, you know, things like that, you actually know what you're doing, or you're actually showing a profit, boom, you're out. He actually said he doesn't want professionals betting. If you can't handle professionals and people who actually make money as a sports book, what kind of operation do you have? What kind of cash-poor scam are you fucking running there? Just another tech app-based scam. That's a scam. I don't care what anybody says. And if you say, well, I don't care, it's just for recreation, understand something, too. The rare times when you do win, maybe you're not that good, so you just don't care anyway. So you just bet a bunch of those same-game parlays with that, you know, that crazy chick on TV lures you into her make-it-rain bullshit with her lunatic eyes. Fine. No problem. But you understand there's also a casino there. What makes you think that casino is actually on the up and up? Are you kidding me? You, you'd have to be a fool to think that it is. And when you actually look at the odds, first of all, you should always have several different sports books to use for the simple fact that sometimes apps crash. So just from that standpoint alone, you should have, you should have setups at at least three different sports books, especially on a busy day. I guarantee you, I guarantee you Championship Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, one of these, one of these online sports books has another problem because it happens every big day. It just does. DraftKings had a huge problem on opening weekend of NFL this year. They just did. No live betting. And if you just have a DraftKings account, well, what are you supposed to do? I mean, think about it. So, so just from that standpoint alone. But if you're going to bet a same-game parlay or an 18 parlay or some crazy combination of shit and you win, don't you want the best payout possible? And sometimes you compare. There could be a 30%, 40% difference between DraftKings and the other places. DraftKings is trying to basically bury you with messaging. They're trying to get you in there with, hey, if anyone scores, you win $100. It's that simple. It's that simple. Download the app and make it rain. Girl sounds like she's doing soft porn. Okay, while well, she's trying to sell you into, the, into this gambling app. And it's ridiculous. So my, I'm telling you, do yourself a favor and delete DraftKings. If that is their attitude, think about it this way. They're one step away from telling you that, hey, listen, that winning bet you put in didn't count and making up some excuse for it and then making you somehow get the money out of them. Who are you going to go to for the money? If the powers that be in your state are allowing this shit to go on, then how are you actually going to do? File a report, file a complaint, go back and forth with some, with some nitwit? There is nothing whatsoever to suggest that you have any real recourse against these places. None whatsoever.
I, I have my own suspicions about the online poker rooms that have opened up recently in New Jersey, and I've reached out to people. No one, and I mean no one, will respond. So I don't play online poker. I just don't. I, and I'm, I'm, these are from reputable places, supposedly, that, that run legitimate casinos, supposedly, in the state. So if you're going to go do casino gambling, my advice to you, go to a casino. It's a little too, to, to me, Just I'm just telling you, to me, it's a little too convenient to reach into your back pocket and have a casino waiting there. Okay, for most people. Uh, for most people. For games that you know are slanted against you to begin with. So I, my, to me, I'd go someplace where at least there are cameras. And at least there are people there. There are witnesses. There's no witnesses with this stuff. And DraftKings has come right out and said, if you're a professional, we don't want you there. We want people, we want recreational players. Yeah, you want recreational losers. That's what you want. You want losers. You're allowed to lose and lose. and lo You could be a professional loser all you want. The minute you become a professional winner, now nah, get out of here. I mean, that is absolutely preposterous, and it should be 100% illegal, bottom line. On the field stuff, college football playoff is set. It's the proper four teams. I don't think there's really much controversy this year. There could have been. Uh, if the guy from Oklahoma State, that kid could just turn the corner in that first game, the Big 12 uh, championship, then you'd have a, a conversation here. I, I think Cincinnati would have been the odd team out. I mean, they're, they're ranked fourth, and Oklahoma State was ranked fifth, and they would have beaten the top 10 team. And Cincinnati would have been crying. I think that this is the perfect scenario because you did have potential for controversy here. It gets the ball rolling towards a bigger playoff, but apparently the bigger playoff talks have stalled, just like anything else does, guys. Just like when they try to legalize gambling. It, like in Florida, it just it basically just got, sh got shot down now because they were right there, and somehow there's some kind of lawsuit. I don't know. It's a federal lawsuit, I think. I don't know if they're trying to get back at DeSantis because he and Biden are going, are going at it. I, I don't know if that's what it is. It don't, don't, don't quote me on that because I don't know that's exactly what it is. But even New York took forever. New York wants to tax gambling winnings at 50%, 5-0. And the apps went for it. The apps all went for it because I said, well, it's such a big market with New York City. That's okay. We can afford to pay that tax, 50%. But that's what held things up forever. That's why New Jersey's had it for a couple of years now. And New York is just now getting into it because of greed, because of politics, because of bullshit. Um, that's probably what stalled these college football playoff expansion talks. Just, just nonsense. And there's no reason they couldn't have an 18 playoff. This year, you could have absolutely had the motivation for it if Oklahoma State had won that game, let's say. And now Cincinnati's the odd team out. That would have been a perfect time for it. Notre Dame fans, you don't have much of an argument. You know, you don't really have much of an argument for being in the playoff for the simple fact that Cincinnati beat you. Now, you can go on and on all you want about, well, it doesn't matter our strength of schedule and everything. Well, let's take a look at your strength of schedule for this past season. Let's take a look at this real quickly here. Let's get it up here. This is not very good. This is a delay we don't need right now. Okay, Notre Dame. Here we go. Okay, you open the season at Florida State. Okay, boy, that seems, seems like a long time ago, that doesn't it? Okay, at Florida State. Remember that big night game on, uh, I think it was on Labor Day, right? Okay, 41-38. You almost lost to Florida State. Okay. Toledo, you almost lost to Toledo. <laughs> we beat Toledo by three points. You beat Purdue. Now, Purdue's taken down some good teams this year, so I have to give you credit for that, but they were not ranked at the time. Wisconsin was ranked 18th when you beat them, but Wisconsin has been kind of all over the place this year. I'm just going to take a look at this game, too. I think there were a lot of turnovers. Yeah, you were outgained by Wisconsin, 318 to 242. You got five turnovers from Wisconsin. Now, okay, you want to credit the defense for some of that. Okay, fine. But if you have watched Wisconsin this year, you know that especially early in the year, they were incredibly sloppy, especially with regards to quarterback play. But you did beat Wisconsin. That was on a neutral field. Give you credit for that. Okay. Home against Cincinnati. We know which way that went. At Virginia Tech, three-point win. Three-point win at Virginia Tech. Okay. Home against USC. Home against UNC. Won by 15 and by 10, respectively. The problem is none of those teams are ranked. 
And here's what's happened to Notre Dame this year. They went into Virginia, dominated them, home against Georgia Tech, who sucks, and they went to Stanford, who's also terrible. If you went back like five years ago when these schedules were being made, six years ago, seven years ago, whenever these games were put on the schedule, and you said, hey, listen, in 2021, we're going to send you to Florida State, you're going to play Purdue at home, you're going to play Wisconsin out of neutral, you're going you're gonna to host Cincinnati, you're going to go to Blacksburg, you're going to host USC, and then you're going to host North Carolina, you're going to host Navy, you're going to go to Virginia, and then host Georgia Tech and go out to Stanford. When you proposed that schedule a few years ago, that sounds like a gauntlet. That sounds like 12 games. Boy, if you can win nine of them, maybe 10 of them, you would be basically in the mix for a New Year's bowl game. That's how good that is. The problem is that's just based on the reputation of the programs, and the reality of the situation doesn't always match the magnitude or the grandeur of, of, the, of the brand of the school you're playing. And Florida State, let's face it, has seen better days. You know, Purdue is an up-and-down team this year. Wisconsin, you know, is probably a little bit of a down year. Cincinnati had a big year. Virginia Tech wasn't very good this year. USC, obviously, just got rid of their coach and, and brought in Lincoln Riley. UNC was up and down. It played basically, you know, hardly any defense. Navy is Navy, right? Virginia is just okay. I mean, they're basically a top 40, top 50 team at best. Georgia Tech is terrible this year, and so is Stanford. But those are good programs. Those are good programs to put, you know, on your schedule. Notre Dame just had the, the bad luck, I guess, this year of those programs having been down. However, if those programs weren't down, are you telling me the Irish would only have had the one loss to Cincinnati? I, I can't tell you one way or another. The, the bottom line is you don't really know. But there were a few squeakers there. I mean, they did almost lose at Virginia Tech. They, did, you know, they definitely could have and probably should have lost against Florida State. You know, they definitely could have lost against Wisconsin. But, you know, you just want to say that's testament to the winning, you know, the winning spirit or the, or the heart of the team. You say whatever you want. The bottom line is if you think it's controversial, you know what? Give us eight teams. You don't need 12. You really don't need 12 teams, but eight teams would be good. They, they really would. Alabama, obviously, uh, with a big win against Georgia, I don't think they would have been in. If they had lost, here, here's what it, where it would have been crazy. If Oklahoma State had won and Alabama had lost, then you'd have an uproar. One way or another, someone would be going crazy. I see people tweeting during the game. Actually, during the Georgia-Alabama game in the SEC championship, that win or lose, Alabama is obviously one of the four best teams in the country. That's not how it works. It's not about who the best team is. It's about who deserves to go. And now a two-loss Alabama team was going to go ahead of Oklahoma State and ahead of Cincinnati and ahead of Notre Dame. And I mean, then you're really talking about people going crazy. I think the scenario ended up playing out about as easily as it could have for the committee. Huge Michigan win, steamrolling Iowa. You could have made a case. Michigan should have should have been number one. I, you know, you could have made that case. Um, and, and remember something too. We had an we had an ACC championship game at eight o'clock that night, at least Eastern time, between Pitt and Wake Forest. You didn't even have to deal with Clemson this year because Clemson wasn't any good. What if Clemson were good? What were we doing then? Then you'd have everybody going crazy and saying, you know what? Now we put Michigan in instead of Oklahoma, and we're right back to the same teams. I guess Ohio State's not there, so Georgia's there. But still, two SEC teams, Michigan and Clemson. That's what you would have had. So I, to me, you, you know, you do make a case this year for an 18 playoff. Um, that's just how it is. But Georgia has never faced an offense. And I was almost on Georgia this weekend. I almost was. I got in live on the over. I, I said before the game, I said, this isn't over. What am I thinking here? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't Georgia minus six. I mean, we've never had Stetson Bennett be in a situation where he could be trailing. And I said, what's going to happen when they get down two scores? And sure enough, once they got down two scores, boom, pit six. That's what happened. Alabama has had a very kind of up and down year. Defense has gotten better as the year has gone on. But then you see the offense struggle lately, including in the week before against Auburn, where they needed overtime and a 90-something yard drive just to get into a position where they could be in talks. 
to get into the playoffs. So, so really just kind of a wild Saturday, a fun Saturday, at least for me. Um, I, you know, I didn't think Iowa had much of a chance against Michigan. I know some fans out there, maybe Notre Dame fans, were, were obviously hoping for that upset. Iowa was never going to score with Michigan. So now you got Michigan against Georgia. That total, the last I saw was 44. That total was too low. I mean, they're basically doing it again. There is this mystique around Georgia as if they are, you know, some kind of defensive powerhouse and no one can score on them. Well, when they finally played a decent offense, you know, in Alabama, you saw that that really wasn't the case. So, I mean, now was it a big, big step up in class? Yeah, it was a huge step up in class. But the bottom line, yes, yeah, so now it's going up to 44, uh, 44 and a half in some places, 45 at Circa, which does cater to professionals. That should tell you something right there. That total is too low. Bottom line, that total is absolutely too low. It's probably about, to me, about six points too low even right now. Cincinnati is a 13, now 13 and a half in some places, point underdog against Alabama. I think that's too low also. I don't think Cincinnati has a prayer of sticking with that Alabama team. I know Mechie, the wide receiver, went down. Let me just tell you something. I've watched Cincinnati a few times this year. I've watched them struggle in the first half against some of these programs that are, you know, Tulane, for example. Uh, I watched South Florida match scores them. Yeah, they routed off 31 straight points, and, you know, that, that's fine. You're supposed to do that. They were like, you were 24-point favorites on the road against South Florida. And I got Cincinnati fans arguing with me on Twitter. And again, follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, the man, arguing with me about how this team is so good. And listen, if you're still competitive in the fourth quarter against South Florida, how good are you really? And every team's going to have a hiccup. Every team's going to be on upset alert at least once or twice during the season. It just seemed to happen a little too much with Cincinnati. I just didn't like what I saw. The other thing that some of you, and maybe you're delusional, maybe you're a homer, maybe you just love Cincinnati that much, and I don't want to get off on this because I'm going to preview the games in a couple weeks, but you sometimes tend to underestimate the depth of the bigger programs and how they could just keep bringing pass rushers at you. They can sub in offensive linemen if they have to. They've got, where you've got one big time running back, they've got four. They've got three running backs that don't start that would that would be all-timers in your program. And that's the kind of stuff that you forget about. I, I dare say they've not seen a defense with the speed of Alabama in the American Conference, but we'll see. So, so just, if you want to, if you're looking to get in on action right now, I would tell you that the, the Michigan Georgia total is too low. I would tell you that Cincinnati minus 13, I'm sorry, Alabama minus 13 is too low. And I'm not so sure that Georgia should be favored by eight over Michigan, but we'll get to that in a couple weeks. See what happens with the injuries and just, you know, after we take a deeper look at some of those games. Uh, let's get to the NFL stuff now from last week, real quickly. Uh, 27 17 Cowboys over the Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill was terrible. He wasn't bad, he was awful. I'm a big Taysom Hill fan. Uh, that was was not his day. And Ma Micah Parsons, by the way, is a monster. They got they got some pass rushers on on Dallas. Micah Parks, Parsons can do a lot of stuff. I mean, he is the real deal. He, I mean, boy, I think the Giants might have drafted him if they had it to do over. Just guessing. Tampa, 30-17 to 17 over the Falcons. Game wasn't this close. There was a kind of a freak play at the end of the second quarter where Tom Brady throws this, yeah, just a wild interception on a very, basically a harmless pass to, I think, Leonard Fournette. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish there, but for some reason, the Bucks threw and threw and threw, and they threw some more. They had Tom Brady throw the ball a million times in this game. Let me just check real quick here. I think he threw like 50 times in this game. Now, yeah, 38 out of 51. They only ran the ball 17 times. 13 of those were to Fournette. I don't know what the point was then of throwing to Leonard Fournette on that play at the end of the second quarter. You weren't accomplishing anything. Maybe if he, if he breaks it, you know, you can throw another pass or two and get in the field goal range. Pass got picked off for a pick six. It was ridiculous. And that's that's why that game was as close as it was. The the Bucks were able to shut out the Falcons late. Now, my theory as to why they threw the ball 51 times in the game that they were never really trailing is simple. They play the Bills next week. I think they plan on pounding the ball. 
I think they plan on running the ball against Buffalo because Buffalo got blown up by Jonathan Taylor a couple weeks ago uh, when they faced the Colts. That's my theory there. They're trying to maybe preserve their running backs for that experience. Not quite sure if that's the case. They probably figured they could toy with the Falcons a little bit, and they could have. Really, this game should have been 30-10. to 10. No questions asked. A Cardinals 33-22 to 22 over the Bears. This was not an explosive offensive performance. You had 28 points scored in the first half. Of those 28 points, two of those touchdowns came on drives of 28 and 15 yards, respectively, for the Cardinals off of, you guessed it, Andy Dalton interceptions. And that's why I backed off of this game. I actually was afraid that he might turn himself into a turnover machine here. I, I thought the game might be a lower-scoring game because you got DeAndre Hopkins coming back off an injury. He did play. I'm surprised he even played in that kind of weather. Uh, Kyler Murray also coming back off of an injury. I thought they'd kind of take it easy in that game. And, you know, the, the second half kind of slowed down a little bit. But, you know, there was, there was some movement back and forth. Um, there was a 12-yard touchdown drive for the Cardinals in the, uh, in the second half as well, uh, just to cap things off. So 33-22, to 22, you can make a case that at least – at least 21 of those points uh, were courtesy of Andy Dalton. If you do the math there, they only scored 33. So not the offensive explosion you may uh, have been led to believe it was. That's why you got to watch the games. That's why you actually have to break them down after the games to get an idea of what actually happened. Uh, 41-22, the Chargers over the Bengals. Uh, I believe it was 24-0 at one point for the Chargers. A lot of that was turnover-aided. Tough game for Joe Burrow. Uh, bottom line is Cincinnati was missing a bunch of their offensive linemen. Just how it happens. I injuries happen, guys. And that's what you had here. Valiant comeback. Joe Burrow, something to keep an eye on here. Joe Burrow actually hurt his finger uh, on a play. Uh, I think it was in the, in the second quarter, close to the end of the first half. They were able to come back and make it a two-point game. Chargers go 17-0 in the fourth quarter. One of those scores was off of a fumble from Mr. Burrow. So you want to keep an eye before you get involved with him one way or another against the 49ers. want to keep an eye on the status of that hand. I'm not sure he's going to play this week. He, it looks like he's going to try, but you never know how these things work. Keep an eye on that on Thursday and on Friday. 29-27, the Lions get their first win in the year over the Vikings. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, and again, you follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, I kind of hinted on Friday that this might be a problematic moment for the Minnesota Vikings. Why, you ask? Well, here's why. Ever since their bye, the Vikings came home and played a last-second game against the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, that was the Cooper Rush game. They then traveled across the country to face the Ravens in a game that went to overtime, went back home, then out to L.A. to face the Chargers. Okay, that was a one-score game. Then they play at home against one of their arch rivals, if not their arch rival, period, the Green Bay Packers. Then they go to San Francisco and play in a one-score game. Then they had to go to Detroit before facing the Steelers on Thursday night. If ever there was a spot where they were going to be just a little bit off their game, it was going to be here. There's just only so much mileage you can get out of an NFL team before they have a week where they just sort of don't play their best. This was one of those weeks. There were turnovers in this game, obviously, but their defense is beat to shreds. You had no Eric Kendricks in this game, no Anthony Barr in this game, I don't believe. And you also remember you lost Everson Griffin a couple weeks ago because he's having a mental health episode, okay? And, and so you lose him. Uh, Dalvin Cook wasn't in this game. He's had his own off-the-field drama. We'll get to that in a second. And this was just a game where I felt like the Vikings, with everything they've been through off the field and all of the, 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 the games they've played on the field, not to mention all the travel, this was a game where, you know, Detroit comes out to play. They play very hard for this coach. He might be a wacko, but Detroit should already have a couple wins this season. They should. I mean, they should have won the Ravens game. They should have won a couple. They probably should have won the first game against the Vikings. So this is just, it is what it is. You make a couple mistakes here and there. Now, there was the fourth down call by Dan Campbell, which I thought was insane. I, I basically tweeted out that if the Lions wanted to fire him for going on that fourth down from his own 28 or 30-yard line, whatever it was, they would be well within their rights to do so. I thought that was insane. Hey, guess what? In the end, 
it did work out. As far as the Dalvin Cook situation goes, remember that whole thing about how he was a, an abuser, domestic violence, the whole nine yards? He is now suing the woman accusing him of that for defamation of character. I hope that some of you who were screaming from the rooftops to get him out of the league have that same energy if and when it, com- it turns out that this accuser was lying. I'll leave it at that. Dolphins 20-9 to over the Giants. The Giants are dysfunctional. That was Mike Lennon's game. He's not going to be able to play, I don't think, this week. And it looks like Daniel Jones is still out. So you might get Jake Fromm, of all people, starting for the Giants against the Chargers. Look out for that. 33-18, to Gardner Minshew and the Eagles over the Jets. Jets did put up 18 points early. No extra points to show for it because their kicker is terrible. Uh, the Jets' defense is terrible. The Jets, uh, no, nobody, nobody can be stopped by the Jets' defense. And I mean nobody. No, there is no one on this planet. That, I don't think the Jets can even stop their own offense. They are just, they are just so bad, it is terrible. So are the Texans. 31-0. The Colts uh, get the Texans. wasn't even that close. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. The, the, the Texans are completely, completely dysfunctional right now. 17-15, the Washington football team over the Raiders. No Darren Waller. You caught the Raiders the week before Chiefs week. Washington loses Logan Thomas again. They go home to face Dallas. Uh, kind of a snooze. They scored in their opening drive, and then there was like six straight punts and a field goal. It's just a very kind of sluggish game. I don't know what it is about that Las Vegas stadium, but it just seems like that that field, I don't know if it's if it's me or my imagination or just, it just happens to be how it is, but it just seems like you get some slow-paced games at that field. We'll see next week because the Chiefs are coming to town. But it just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, eh, maybe it's me. Who knows? The Rams take care of the Jags. I think I said last week, if there was ever a time to lay 13 points in an NFL game, this would be it. The Jags are just, again, just dysfunctional. It's the best way to put it. Steelers 20-19 to over the Ravens. Ravens go for two after a late touchdown because, according to John Harbaugh, they had too many uh, members of their secondary that are out. This has been a problem for the Ravens all year. Um, you know, you're playing a, a cold-weather game in December at, at Pittsburgh. You don't expect people to go... You don't expect teams to go up and down the field, certainly, but the uh, you know the, the Steelers putting up 20 points against the Ravens is certainly nothing to write home about, especially when 17 of those points come in the fourth quarter. See what Ben was here. 21 for 31, 236. Okay, it's not bad. Najee Harris, 3.4 yards a carry. Yeah, the, the Steelers' offense is just ordinary. That's just what it is. I mean, it's average at best. 5.6 yards a play isn't bad. Just 4.7 yards a play for the Ravens. The Steelers do eke out a uh, pretty important win. I mean, I'm not really... You know, expecting them to go very far, but if they're looking to make the playoffs and make a push, uh, six five and one is obviously better than five six and one. They have to go on the road now on Thursday night too, so uh, probably makes that win all that much more important. Seahawks thirty to twenty three over the 49ers. Wild game, seventy something yard. Was the last time you saw a fake punt go for seventy plus yards? That's what happened with Travis Homer in the first quarter here. There were a bunch of turnovers. I was on the over. Those of you that do follow on Twitter at BCAK the man were able to see that and cash in on that if you followed me. Um, there were a lot of turnovers that kind of helped that. To be fair, there were two drives at the end of this game that totaled about 170 yards, give or take, that resulted in zero points. But there were a bunch of turnovers. Russ Wilson did not look like himself early. Kind of seemed like he found himself around the second quarter. The offensive line is still very sloppy. But that, they've always been sloppy. It's not like the, the offensive line in Seattle has been great all these years. It's been Russ that's been great. I mean, he has bailed out so many bad offensive lines in that in that organization, I can't even tell you. And he's been able to be mobile and scramble and improvise and, and not just scramble for yardage, but also throw on the run, which is a lot harder than he makes it look. He kind of looked like himself, but for all the scoring early, whether it's turnovers or what have you, just nine points in the second half. The Niners get shut out in the second half. They were close to the goal line late, but just Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo was not very good in this game, and that's how it is. Seahawks get a, I mean, I don't, listen, you can call it a big win if you want to. They, they definitely look like a team on the improve. They look much better than they looked just a week before at Washington. They're 4-8. and eight. I mean, their hopes are pretty much over, but they will play hard. That team will play hard for that coach, I promise you, and that quarterback. Chiefs 22-9 to over the Broncos. Not nearly as dominant a performance as you might think. 
Uh, the Broncos actually outgained the Chiefs here by a lot. And it wasn't like they just outgained them by like 30, 40 yards. The Broncos in this game outgained the Chiefs 404 to 267. 267. That's how many, that's it. That's how many yards they had. 15 out of 29 for his majesty, Patrick Mahomes, 184 yards. This idea that the Chiefs are back is to me just a pipe dream. And 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 it's simple as that. They are not back. Teddy Bridgewater, as much as I like Teddy Bridgewater, and as much as he has overcome as much adversity as a, as a guy can, remember something, the guy almost lost his leg in a non-contact injury a few years ago. It's a miracle he is playing NFL. It's a miracle that he has a leg. I'm not even kidding. There was talk of amputating his leg. So just the fact that he's able to be on a roster, much less starting for a team, is, is great in and of itself. They are probably tired of Drew Locke's antics in Denver. I always assumed they were signing Teddy Bridgewater to sort of lurk and sort of look over the shoulder at Drew Locke. No, but they're starting him. He's not the answer there. And if you don't think that he's the answer, well, then you got to give Drew Locke a chance because otherwise you got to go find a quarterback because they do have very good receivers on that team. They have some linemen too, but the linemen have a hard time staying on the field. Anyway, 22-9, they get the win. And then, of course, Monday night, the basically the farce that took place in Buffalo as the Patriots defeat the Bills. Uh, by now, you all know that uh, basically Bill Belichick thought it would be hilarious to run the ball 50-something times. They hit through three passes in that game. Now, the key to that was that the Bills never took the lead. And you say, well, gee, that's a low-scoring game. There's a lot of wind. I know about the wind. Okay, the guys from ESPN want to talk wind, wind, wind. Every time someone touches the football, wind. There's a fumble. There's a fumble in the first quarter. The Bills are inside the 30-yard line. They're driving. And I was on the over in that game. And I shared that on Twitter. It was a one, one loss of the week. And it played out exactly the way I thought. Punting into the wind was basically a losing endeavor. And you get a 15-yard punt a 15-yard punt, and the Bills are set up at the New England 40 on first down. They end up fumbling the ball a few plays later. And what do the, what do the announcers say with Steve Levy and Brian Greasy? Oh, well, the, in these conditions, the ball is so slippery. Get the fuck out. Are you, it's like the first NFL game played in the cold. Grow up. This is the home team. This wasn't the Chargers. This wasn't the Bucks. It wasn't the Dolphins. This is the Bills. How do they not know how to execute a handoff? There was no one blowing the playoff, and it was like Judon was in it. No, nothing crazy was going on. This is a handoff. It's an NFL handoff. They can't execute it. And that would become a microcosm for the entire game. Patriots score a few plays later on a big run. Then you get a muff punt. The Bills go right into the end zone. And that was it. They shut down. The Bills had a missed field goal. I know there was wind, but it was a chip shot field goal. It's your home stadium. You should know how to handle these things. You need to know how to handle these things. Two touchdown passes. Hit receivers in the hands. Oh, but the wind moved the ball. Wait a second. The ball hit the receiver in the hands. One was Stephon Diggs, and there was a Dawson Knox in the other end zone. What are we even doing if balls hit receivers in their hands and they can't catch them? Why are you even running the plays then? Why are you throwing a deep pass if he can't catch the ball? I thought that was a terrible, a disgraceful job of coaching from the Bills and a terrible job of executing from the players. And I kind of think that the you know, this attitude, now listen, I, I thought that the Patriots would be able to run the ball. I also thought the short passes would work, short passes to the tight end, short passes to the running backs, because the Bills are very susceptible to those plays. They're, they're amongst, amongst the, the, the bottom teams in the league when it comes to stopping those plays. But we never found out about it because Josh McDaniel and Bill Belichick thought it would be hilarious. What if we just kept running and running and running and running, and the Bills didn't do anything to stop them, and they allowed it to happen. You saw two passes finally in the fourth quarter. It would have been interesting. If you had seen the Bills take a lead in that game, how it would have gone. I don't think it sends the right message to your young quarterback. I don't. I think it's, it's foolish, but that's kind of stuff Bill Belichick does. I once had the over in a game between Jacksonville and the Patriots. This is going back probably 15 years. Patriots get the ball with like 11 and a half minutes to go. I need one score to, to hit the over, and Bill Belichick runs out the entire clock with running plays. It's just the kind of stuff that he likes to do. Sometimes he likes showing you that he can do something just to show you, and that's the reality of the situation. But for the Bills, 
You've got guys, I don't want to hear about the weather. It's Buffalo, and it doesn't like get better in Buffalo as the year goes on. So if you have aspirations for being a playoff team, what does it say about your general manager and your coach if your team is not prepared to handle the elements? What do you want to do, play your playoff games on the road? I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I know the field is kind of quirky there. The field is sunken below ground level. Okay, fine. That's why the wind swirls, there's an open end, yada, yada, yada. I get it, the stadium sucks. Okay, I'm well aware of that. You had opportunities to score. Balls are hitting players' hands, not their chest, not one hand, both of their hands in the end zone. Catch the football. If they can't catch the football in those adverse conditions, what are they doing on your roster? Don't get me wrong. This won't happen to me again. Don't get, I'm not going to go fire at the over when the Bills host a playoff game. Okay, I get it. I've learned my lesson. Okay, I mean, granted, maybe you get a day where it's calm. Okay, fine. But the reality is, what is the reality is you have to ask yourself, what's going on with the construction of this roster if these guys can't handle these conditions? You've been there for a long time. Stephon Diggs did not just get there from Minnesota, where he plays in a dome. Cole Beasley played for Dallas, okay, but he didn't just get there. These guys have played there already. And all you heard from the Patriots was how they were able to practice in the wind all week and get a feel for the, for the conditions. And then Bill just decides, hey, you know what? We're going to have you hand the ball off 50 times because I'm a psychopath. Hey, it worked. It worked for him. What are you going to do? When you get the win, it's hard to argue. I mean, even with Dan Campbell, it's hard to argue he got the win. Looking ahead to week now 14, wow, in the NFL, Steelers and Vikings, a couple of teams that are going the wrong direction. Even though the Steelers just got that win, this to me is Minnesota or nothing. I think the Steelers, you know, coming off the Ravens game, a little bit beat up, having to travel. Vikings are 5-7, and seven, backs against the wall as much as they possibly could be at this point. What a bunch of underachievers. That team could have eight or nine wins already, and they're 5-7. and seven. My God. Browns and Ravens. Now, we already went through this a couple weeks ago with these two teams. The Browns are now up to a two-and-a-half-point favorite because Marlon Humphrey is hurt. The Ravens' cornerbacks are getting exposed a little bit. Don't know quite what kind of weather we're going to have. We don't know quite what kind of Baker Mayfield we're going to have in this game. To me, I want nothing to do with it. That's just me. Jags and Titans, for some reason, this line is coming down, and I can't quite figure out what it is. So you have to want to, you really want to take a look at the injury situation for Tennessee. Uh, that line coming down would lead me to believe there's something going on there. The Jaguars do play hard, but they are just so problematic. And after coming off that trip to LA, this just does not, to me, I, I got to dig a little more into it to find out what's going on. I would look at Tennessee at eight and a half now as, as a potential teaser leg, uh, definitely. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites over the Raiders. Now, there's two ways to look at this. The, the first way of looking at it is if Darren Waller is back for the Raiders, there's no excuse whatsoever for this line to be this high. The other way of looking at it is look what the Chiefs did to the Raiders just a few weeks ago. But uh, the Chiefs were just nine, nine and a half point favorites over the Broncos, correct? I think that game might have closed at eight and a half itself. Now they're nine and a half point favorites over the Raiders. Would the Raiders be underdogs to the Broncos on a neutral field? I don't think they actually would. So a little bit interesting there. Again, it's early in the week. You want to keep an eye on what injuries are happening, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Just like with the Saints and the Jets, you don't know. Now, are the tackles back for the Saints? Um, is Taysom playing quarterback again? Is Alvin Kamara going to be back for, this, for these Saints? Corey Davis is gone for the Jets. Again, I just I feel like depending on what the weather is at MetLife Stadium, and there's no reason to think it's going to be anything out of the ordinary. I don't think the Jets can stop anybody. Simple as that. Cowboys are now down to a four-point favorite at Washington. That's probably just a tick too high as well, but you have sort of a name team with an explosive offense. The question is, with Micah Parsons and company coming after Taylor Heineke, do you trust him not to make mistakes? That's how that goes. Total is 48 there. Well, that seems like a lot. I don't, again, keep an eye on the weather, but boy, 48. And don't, don't forget, this is outdoors in December in Washington. That's interesting. Falcons and Panthers uh, pass. I want nothing to do with either one of these teams. Falcons looked okay on offense. The Falcons actually did move the football in the first half against the Bucks. 
I just don't trust them. I'm sorry. I, I just think they are just, I think it's a lost season for them. But, the, you know, five and seven, two five and seven teams, those teams will play hard. I mean, those teams will come out. Panthers coming out of a bye. The Panthers fired Joe Brady. Now, Joe Brady is the guy that made Joe Burrow into what he is today. I don't think Joe Brady is the problem with that Panthers offense. I think that's basically a cover-your-ass move by Matt Rule. Hey, listen, um, whether it's Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, or, or, you know, a slew of other guys, I think we've seen lately that the world of coaching is pretty ruthless and guys will pretty much do anything to hold on to that money or get even more of it. That's what Matt Rule is doing here, right here. I don't think it's that complicated. Seahawks, seven and a half point favorites at the Texans. The Seahawks did look much better. As, as good as they've looked, the passing chart for Russell Wilson has gotten just a little better every week since he's come back from that injury. Seven and a half point favorites. I would look at the Seahawks minus one and a half as a very real teaser leg. Detroit at Denver, pass. You got the Broncos minus seven and a half. I want no part of either one of those quarterbacks in that situation. Chargers minus 10 and a half over the Giants. The Giants look like they're starting Jake Fromm. We don't know about some of the skill position players. The Giants, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, those guys, if they'll be available. It looks like Keenan Allen will miss the game because of COVID. Something to just sort of keep an eye on there. Bengals minus one over the Niners. Two teams that had pretty bad performances last week. Niners are at six and six. Bengals seven and five. This will be yet another test for the Niners. Now, the Niners are a team kind of like the Vikings with all these tough games sort of back to back to back. When do they just sort of falter and pull a no-show? I don't think it's going to happen this week, but it's just a lot of big games uh, and, and basically, basically week in, week out for the Niners. And that's just what happens this time of year. If you haven't separated yourself where you're a couple games over 500, every game becomes a big game. See which team bounces back better. See if the Bengals have their linemen back. See if Debo Samuel's coming back for the Niners. Those are both very significant. The Bills, uh, three-point underdogs as they travel to Tampa Bay to take on Mr. Brady. And Mr. Arians and the uh, and the Bucks. Antonio Brown got suspended for three weeks. That doesn't really cost them a lot. If you really have been following the Antonio Brown situation, fake COVID card. He's been hurt though. He probably is only losing like one game here. Hey, it is what it is. I'm sure the NFL doesn't want to get too far into this because you know it's not just guys on the Bucks that are showing fake COVID cards, and, and that's just it's just that's just reality. That's just common sense. You got 53 guys per roster plus some practice squad guys times 32 teams. Figure it out. So he's gonna miss. The next three weeks, but or I, I guess last week was week one, so two more weeks for him, but it probably doesn't really cost them anything. The Bucks should be able to run the ball. Guess what? On the Bills. The Bills, you would think, would be able to throw a little bit banged up in the Tampa secondary. This comes down to, my, in my opinion, one thing. Can the Bills block? I think that Todd Bowles comes after Josh Allen early and often. I did not like what I saw from Josh Allen when he was rushed. If Feliciano could be back, Spencer Brown could be back for the Bills, okay, at left guard and right tackle, respectively. It didn't seem to do them a lot of good on that Monday night game. You also wonder how much that Monday night game took out of that team in those brutal conditions. That takes a lot out of you. The Patriots don't have a game this week. They don't play until the next Saturday against the Colts. The Bills got to go now and play the Super Bowl champions. And they come home, I think, and play Carolina. And they got to face the Patriots again. A really big ask for the Bills to come out of that game and put an effort up against the Bucs. If they can block, they should have some, you know, at least some level of success Moving the football here. Not sure that's going to happen on a short week, no less. We'll see how that plays out. Bears and Packers. Packers minus 12 and a half. You got the Packers coming off a bye. You get a chance for Aaron Rodgers to rest. It looks like Jair Alexander, the cornerback, is coming back for the Packers. And that's that's been a pretty good defense even without him. Um, you got the Bears who are obviously going the wrong direction. Their offensive line is virtually non-existent. We don't know who's going to play quarterback in this game. We don't know what wide receivers are available in this game. Right now, Allen Robinson and Marquise Goodwin are both uh, listed as questionable. Um, 
They just don't have a whole lot of options. Yeah, they got a couple good tight ends and whatnot, but you wonder how much you could possibly trust Andy Dalton after that performance last week. If it's anything like last week, I mean, the Packers will win this game by three touchdowns. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Even if Justin Fields plays, though, I, I do think the Bears are up against it in this game. I think 12.5 may be actually a little bit short, believe it or not. And then finally, Monday night, uh, the Cardinals minus 2.5 uh, against the Rams with a total of 51.5. This game actually opened with a line of three. Came down to 2.5, I think because the mindset is that the Rams got it back on track. And that was the Jags, but they still look like they were back on track. Look a little bit more focused. Odell Beckham's had a couple weeks to sort of get acclimated with the playbook, his teammates, uh, etc., you also had kind of a stagnant offensive performance from the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, they had they did put up 33 points, but three of those touchdowns came on really, really short touchdown drives. Now, you can only play what's in front of you. You can only score wherever you get the ball. So you get the ball at the 25-yard line of the opposition, that's all you can cover if you're going to get the ball in the end zone. If you get the ball at your own three-yard line, well, then you got to cover 97 yards, and maybe it looks more impressive. A couple of different ways to look at it, but they absolutely benefited from the dysfunction of the Chicago Bears. Is that going to be the case against the Rams team that would very much like to get a win over the Cardinals and have themselves a chance to win the division? Good game on Monday night. I would absolutely take a look, though, at the Rams as a teaser leg in that one. So we'll leave it at that. Again, the picks will be up by noon on Sunday on Twitter at BCAK, the man. And with that, that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. And make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. And follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC, the man, can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with Mozini. I'm a hustler. I'm BC, the man. See you guys next week on The Air Attack. Tell me how to whip in the pot, everything I could come back straight drop. Nigga can't tell me about who's hot. You say he is, I think she's not. Nigga can't tell me about no bitch, about no hoe, about no strength, about my team, the DME, about no bread, about no bag. Nigga can't tell me how to hit no licks. Cause if you snooze, then nigga know the rules, I'ma hit you off smooth. Play it off cool. Nigga come tell me how nigga move. Nigga come tell me about no grain. Nigga come tell me about no fame. Nigga come tell me about no pills. Nigga come tell me about no lane. Nigga can't tell me Mozini ain't good, nigga can't say Mozini ain't hood, nigga can't say Mozini don't fit, nigga can't say Mozini can't spit, bitch I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, hey nigga in the streets know about me, nigga I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, on the road with the strong, no room for the weak, nigga I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, that's how I live, that's the code of the streets, nigga I'm a Shit about the hustle, 24-7, I'll be open for the customers. I'm wide open, shit, I'm about to make a double up. Leading in the kitchen, and he about to make a bubble up. Niggas can't tell me shit about the mob. Shooters on deck, how them niggas do the job. I can't tell you shit about sleep. Time me money, and the nigga gotta eat. DME, we about to have a feast. Need that shit that come with a fee. Ain't shit free, everything got a price. For the right number, I take your life. Niggas can't tell me shit about the blow. Niggas can't tell me shit about a show. Bag full of dough, club full of hoes. I pack that bitch everywhere I go. Niggas can't tell me shit about me. Tell you one thing, I'm a motherfucker G. I take it two things, a motherfucker gon' eat. I take it three things, then the nigga gon' see. Niggas can't tell me shit about 
shit. Talk that shit, I split your shit. Cut those niggas, try to split your neck. Bitch, nigga, better off splitting this wrist. Bitch, a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. Hey, nigga, in the streets, go about me. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. On the road with the strong, no room for the weak. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. That's how I live. That's the cold in the streets. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. 24-7 on both my feet. I got pies all in my eyes. Mind all of my money. So much money on my mind. You think they had a hit out on me? I be posted up on that block. All black with that big gap. Rocks all in my mouth. I guess that's one reason I spit crack. I grind hard with a slut with me. Far as traffic, can't fuck with me. Prices of the boppers like my hat now. 150, keep no drugs in my domain. That's old game, Atari. Far as cocaine, my tip drew like we was having a party. Boy, that's gangways and alleys. Trap house and weed spot. Yo, tip slow. I come through and I pump it up. Reebok. I hit the kitchen, no apron on my own chef. I cook it. I pull it out and I break it down like some pepper. I push it. That's that white girl and that boy. That stick water, that lean. Them X pills, that Reggie Miller, that granddaddy, them trees. I got Jackson's all in my hands. Franklin's all in my jeans. For them dead men, my dogs mob like most in the beats. Bitch, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. Hey, nigga, in the streets, go about me. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. On the road with the strong, no room for the weak. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind on, get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. That's how I live. That's the code in the streets. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler.